On this episode of Resi Week, Amazon buys Eero, Cedia announces 2019 boot camps, and Samsung drops the Blu-ray player for North America. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 159, Disc is Dead. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and story for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by the one and only Todd Anthony Puma. He is the president of the Source Home Theater in New York, New Jersey, in that whole region. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for coming back. It's been a while since we've chatted. This is it has. Be fun. And to round it out, we have Tim Albright. He's the founder of AV Nation, this is your network. How are you doing, bud? I am well, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. It is family day here and president day there, I President's day here, yes. Yes. So at least I'm supposed to be off and... Uh, working because that's what we do in this business. So let's jump right into other things that we do in this business. This comes to us from strategy.com and our good friend Ted Green. Amazon has acquired the Wi-Fi router maker Eero. If you don't know Eero, I would ask what you're doing in the industry, but notwithstanding, uh, Eero is the maker of a fantastic mesh Wi-Fi system it has been kind of adopted, I, I would say, and, and maybe you guys would disagree with me, but I would say that it has been adopted as kind of one of the go-to entry-level, just fantastic uh, Wi-Fi systems platforms that integrators are using to make sure that their clients have uh, a great mesh network throughout their home. Amazon has uh, purchased this and uh, are going to be doing some very interesting things with it. Uh, Todd, let me start with you on this one. Eero has been, as I said, it's been noted and, and really become a go-to product for a lot of integrators as their entry-level solution. If they've got a client who wants a bunch of IoT smart home stuff, Eero, here you go, out the door. Set it, forget it, don't worry about it. Now that this is owned by Amazon, Amazon, as a rule, seems to like to leave things alone. But you never know, because it now will be even more available and most likely be touted as the you know handshake one and one together with Amazon, Amazon uh, Echo Dots, and other products like that. Should HTP start to look somewhere else? You know what this really comes down to is when I heard about the news, I was excited. Um, I don't look at it as a big change as I would look for when I originally started my business and we were using Airport Extremes with Apple products. Uh, this is pretty much the next generation of you know, another router with a big manufacturer that will keep things the way it is. Like you said, Amazon has been keeping the products and you know, the integrity of the products the same since they've been taking over companies because I think they understand when they have a good product, why change it? Why mess with something that's not broken? Uh, with also the excitement that comes from this is I'm newer to the Euro market. I was actually introduced Euro from Mark Feinberg from Home Theater Advisors. Uh, he's big into the middle market residential space, uh, also dealing with Manhattan apartment, just like myself with the challenges. 
And ever since I was introduced to this and kind of the simplicity of it, and like you stated before, the set and forget mentality that this brings and the comfort that brings to myself and the customers, I've been offering it more often, even with the systems that are a little bit more robust, but with the backbone of uh, a more enterprise-grade router. And then I would secondary the euros into a bridge and then use the beacons throughout the homes and nothing but success, man. It's, it's just been, it's a fantastic product and I'm going to continuously keep on using this product uh, until something happens, which we know it won't because <laughs> we're going to be positive. Uh, then there's nothing that's going to change my mind with that. Very good. Tim, when you read through this article, the, the two things that kind of stood out to me and, and things that Ted was alluding to, um, he was alluding to the fact that they made this purchase to compete with Google or continue to compete with Google and have something similar to the Google Mesh platform. Yeah. Is it as simple as that? Or is it kind of something that he didn't directly correlate, but he brought up the, the fact that occasionally it's not the easiest thing in the world to get Echoes and you know Rings and some of the other products onto some of the traditional Wi-Fi platforms. Is it more... Like, like which, which mindset were they going after? Were they going after that, that competition side or were they going after the, we're going to find a platform that makes our customers have an easier time setting up our products? Well, let's, let's be frank about what Amazon has, has turned into. They are, they are I'd rather you beat him. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Not Frank. Um, they, they sell devices that live and breathe on the net, on the on the on the network and on the internet, right? Um, everything from the 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 Echo platform, whether it's a Dot or or what have you, the Rings, um, and, and honestly, the their their sales platform getting to to Amazon um, Amazon Store requires the internet. Having that solid backbone does nothing more than solidify their products as a solid um, use as a solid uh, device to have in your home to do whatever it is, whether that's, you know, see who's at the, at the front door or play music or, or interface with, with your smart home. So this makes complete sense from the standpoint of making sure that you have a solid, easy to set up Wi-Fi system. Um, I'm going to steal a, a quote from Frank White who, who posted this on, on Facebook when this story broke, actually he was commenting on, on Ted's story. He said, Aero is Wi-Fi for grandmas. Um, and as somebody who, who uses Eero, I, I, I set it up, uh, a buddy of ours gave me one a couple years ago and, and literally within 10 minutes, I had an entire uh, Eero system set up and, and ready to go and it has been rock solid. It just doesn't fail. It, you know, the, the biggest issues with, with my home Wi-Fi has been uh, my, cable, <laughs> my cable provider, not, not with Eero. So ha Amazon looking at this, like this is our, our foundation. And, and yeah, you could see a little bit with Google, but understand Google does the exact same thing. You know, Google's primary business is, is search. What do they do is they, they run fiber to different organizations. They make sure that, that the internet is stable. They've, they've long held, uh, at least in the U.S., for net neutrality because they, they see that as, as a way to make sure that their customers' experience is, is flawless. Same thing here with Amazon. They're making sure that the products and services that, that people are coming to them for, you know, Echo and, and Ring, th those experiences are flawless and solid. And that foundation is a good, solid Wi-Fi system. Very good. Last question, just uh, before we leave this one. Are we to the point where these kind of platforms are so robust 
that we don't need to in 90% of our installations ever look at anything beyond this. The, the See, what you're stating right now is kind of where Crestron went last week with the Crestron home system. They're stating that 90% of the homes uh, for the residential market are going to only need and utilize this kind of platform. So with that being said, it's like, it seems it is the way the industry is going. You know, maybe for myself, it seems that way because Crestron just went in that end of things, but Control 4 has been doing it, you know, other line and the line just go on and on. Um, with Euro and in other product lines like this, yeah, I think that they're, they're getting pretty close. If they have a network switch involved or they start adding a little bit to it, I see some um, really good competitors coming into the robust enterprise network. Uh, again, it's, it's just for a big portion of the homes. It won't be able to work in those 10,000 square foot homes. It would only be able to work in any Manhattan home that I could put in it. That's a fact. So for my right. market, it's a win-win every single time. And I would actually take a slightly different stance on that, Todd, is the fact that this is a great system, right? It's a great system. It's a solid system that's pretty easy to, to set up. This is not, you mentioned it, this is not for a 10,000 square foot home. This is not for a home that you need um, constant supervision or updates or the, the, the ability to go in and, and fix something remotely, right? You're, you're not, this, this is not a, a POE switch where you can go in and remotely, you know, power cycle a, a, a camera. This, this is, it is what it is. It's, it's a pretty simple, stable, good foundation for, for wireless and, and network in someone's, you know, smaller, you know, smaller home, but, but, you know, average size home. Again, this is not for 10,000 square foot plus this is for two, three, you know, thousand square feet with, with somebody that can set it up themselves for you guys, you guys, you know, make your, your bread and butter and making sure that your clients have, you know, as much uptime as possible. You're able to see things, uh, which is why some of these, uh, uh switches that, that, uh, folks are, are putting in, they give you the ability to, you know, look in uh, from, from the back door, and you know, provide maintenance and provide service um, both remotely and, and on site. It gives you guys a little bit more, you know, uh, more meat, more robustness uh, than just a, a basic you know Wi-Fi system. So I see this as, as kind of a, a niche, a great fit for Amazon, but for folks that are doing you know residential networking and, and putting a lot of stuff on it, I don't see Eero in, in that that ballpark unless I'm 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 off on something. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's go to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Cedia has released their 2019 boot camp schedule. The options include basic residential, home theater, and advanced networking. If you don't know what uh, a CD boot camp is, it's a three-day training on-site at uh, Cedia's HQ in Indianapolis, where, again, you get to focus on all kinds of fun things, uh, in all of those three different uh, veins, and when I say that they've got a slate, they've got a pretty extensive slate. I believe there's uh, ten or so different trainings going on. Tim, I'm going to come back and, and start with you on this one. We all know within the industry that training is important. Uh, at ISE this past week, <clears throat> or, or two weeks ago, you and I talked to countless manufacturers as well as the associations, both. Uh, Infocom, or sorry, Avixa and Cedia. And, and they were both touting training. Uh, all the manufacturers were touting training. Everybody's talking about developing workforce and how training is such an integral part of that. This is a ambitious um, 
slate of trainings for Cedia to be taking on. Where is the benefit to integrators, to, to dealers, to go after and, and, and send their people to manufacturer agnostic training opposed to just sending them to you know, their, their rep firms and, and, and the other companies that offer manufacturer-specific training? Uh, this gives you a good baseline, right? This gives you the good basics to then go into manufacturer-specific trainings. Um, let, let's take it from, from this first and then answer the, the manufacturer second. Um, this tells you, you know, how to terminate cable. This will give you the basics of home networking. This will, this will give you the basics of home audio. Then from there, you, you're, you have a good tool set. Then if you want to learn a little bit more about lighting and you're a Lutron dealer, you go, you go learn about light lighting right? and, and Lutron lighting. If you're a uh, Crestron a dealer and you need to learn more about uh, Crestron Home OS, then you, you're going to go to Crestron training. If you're a, a Control 4 dealer and you know how to program that, then that's where you're going to go for that specific uh, skill set. But this is a good foundation. Uh, and I would encourage anybody, whether it's it's, it's the boot camp or whether it's um, the... Um, a uh, uh, Avixa training. Both of them give you good basics, good foundations to then start your career, advance your career a little bit more, and then you can go out and, and get you know some of the more specific trainings of the manufacturers for you know the the product lines that your company uh, uh, carries. Todd, when you look at this from a uh, from an integrator, from a home technology professional standpoint, uh, basic residential, basic home theater, advanced networking. Those are, we'd like to think, uh, kind of the standards, like like Tim alluded to, the, the mm-hmm. basics that people can get into to understand all the generalities and, and, and some of the specifics, but nothing, you know, manufacturer specific. Does this cover the basics of what you would want to be able to send uh, new onboarded employees to? Or are, uh, there, are there more things that you're looking for? There's always more that we're looking for, but you know what the hardest thing for me as a business owner and also a trainer uh, to my guys is the basics. It's always say, let's bring this back to the basics. These are the things that are so simple for me. I forget to do and I forget how it's so vital for the growth of your employees to know something as simple as, you know, setting up a basic network, how to pre-wire, you know, how to set up a home theater, you know, the right way, even possibly, I'm sure they talk about, you know, speaking to the end user and educating the end user about the process that you're doing when you're at their home. But what comes from here is they give the basics. They explain the basics. Then I sit there and I grow them in the areas of my manufacturers and train them on how we apply Crestron to a home, how we apply you know, Arachnus to a home. And from there, you teach them some basic skills. You teach them some people skills. But that's all about your practice. That's all about how you do business. Everybody has their personal ways of handling it, and there's no wrong way of handling it. But training is everything, and it's number one. Very good. Let's go on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Forbes. If you think they weren't paying attention to what we do every day, you'd be wrong. Uh, But unfortunately, this isn't necessarily a great story for what we do every day. Samsung has quit the 4K Blu-ray player market. Uh, They confirmed yesterday uh, or or Saturday that they will no longer be making any new 4K Blu-ray players for North America. There was uh, a couple models that were shown at uh, or or talked about in January. 
um, specifically a high-end model that was supposed to compete with some of the traditional OPPO players. And that has also been shelved. Uh, I've read in another report that this doesn't just include 4K. This is also going to include 1080p. Um, that's a big, that's a really big change. Todd, I want to come to you directly on this one. We know that streaming is kind of where the future's headed, where things are going. But specifically in our industry, we kind of live on on Blu-ray. We live on a, a disc base for any sort of reference material. Right. Oppo uh, quit, closed, shut down, stopped making new products uh, this past summer. Now Samsung is saying that they're no longer going to make it in North America or offer them in North America. That leaves Sony and Panasonic. Does this mean that disc is dead? Like, like, are we finally able to put the the definitive stamp on that? If that's a great question. I, it's something that shows the beginning of the end. But you know what? CDs never ended, and you know some people feel comfortable having a physical disc. Right? Just like I'm a person who likes to read a book. I don't like to read books on my computer or on my physical tablet. I want to have something that can hand. I could hold and I could turn the pages. It feels like it's, it's more of a relationship, even though it's a materialistic, you know, nonsense. But in this case, where the discs are going, it, it's, it's sad for me because I enjoy it. And I think it's going to be for my generation, your generation. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's going to be something that is, is, a, is something we're really going to miss, put it that way. And I don't understand why Samsung would do this, uh, especially with 4K just coming out, you know, with the, the amount of money that they can make for the upgrades on the disc with that, uh, as well as consumers who really are committed to it. Because I'm going to be honest with you, 90% of my homeowners request still to have a Blu-ray player in their rack. They don't care if it's expensive. They don't want nothing like Kaleidoscape. They just want to have something that if they had a movie, an old Disney movie or whatever it may be, they could pop it in as well as home videos. You know, that's, that's huge. A lot of these, my customers have kids that play soccer or sports and they just want to look at the the video that was filmed and the only way you could do that is with disc you know in, in most of the cases tim this is something that uh, you and i've talked about over the years a, a lot not not so much the, the death of disc but the way that consumers are changing we're seeing streaming um what todd just mentioned i i don't film anything of my kids like my kids are under four Everything is on my iPhone. And we, we like I, I showed my parents a skiing video of Cohen just the other day. And we, you know, airplayed it to their TV yesterday to watch it. So I, I understand completely what Todd's saying. I have a stack, and, and by stack I mean like an entire wall full of Blu-rays. This concerns me. But I know it's coming. I know this is gonna happen. What do we <laughs> As such a small sliver of the market, what do we do in this kind of situation where we can't we can't raise enough noise to get Samsung to all of a sudden say, "Oh yeah, no, we'll we'll start making Blu-rays again." What what are we going to do as this potentially dies off? Well, you you mentioned it already. Sony and Panasonic still make some pretty good Blu-ray players, and you're going to go there for the time being. Um, but let's understand what this is. This is a business decision by Samsung. They're not, they're not being esoteric. They're not you know, uh, being uh, philosophical about this. They're making a business decision. 
and their forecasts are telling them that the, the disk is dead, that the disk is dying, and that's why they're getting out of it. Um, there's a couple things going on here. First of all, as we ramp up and in, in getting into 4K, and, and honestly, there are several folks that are doing 8K. Sharp has been showing one for a, about two years now um, at, at both Digital Signage Expo and, and, and Infocom. Um, we're getting into 8K. Can either of you tell me what format we can play 8K from? I mean, is it, is it, can you, can you get it on a, on a Blu-ray? I mean, it's SSD. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. So you hit the nail on the head right there. We're getting to a point with, with the resolution technology that a physical disc is going to become cost prohibitive or almost impossible uh, to, to produce. So then we're left with, okay, so what do we plan on? We plan on some sort of, of media server. Okay then I don't need a player, right? I, I don't need a disc. I don't need that. Um, you know, there are other uh, issues that are going to come down the pipeline, such as connectivity. You know, what exactly are we running? Is it, is it some version of HDMI or is it going to be SDI? What, what exactly are we, are we running here from a, a, a cabling standpoint? But the actual media playing, whether it's 4K or 8K and beyond, honestly, is most likely not going to be played on a disc. And that's what Samsung is, is in, in essence, forecasting here. So let me ask you this. If we start looking at that and, and going to a media-based piece, what's involved in ensuring, because right now nobody is effectively offering something that can compete, e even with a high-end, even with an OPPO, no one is producing a media player that can compete with that. Flyscape is. Not for that price point. Oh, no, no, not for that price point, but from a technology standpoint and a quality standpoint, they certainly that, are. That's what I'm asking. From, from a price point, where are we going forward? Is this Plex servers? Is this, like, like what I'm asking is, how do we get, how do we as HTPs transition from disks to Roku. local media-based? Yeah, yeah, but I, local so that you can transmit because the networks can't support, hmm. they can barely support 4K streaming no matter what they try to tell you, it's compressed beyond belief. When we I start talking 8K, where are we going to go? Yeah, I, I think you're going to run into the first generations are going to be um, you and Todd working in your garage and, and coming up with a solution, honestly, um, and, until somebody comes up with, um, with a, a good, viable, right, cost-effective solution that is both on-prem as well as is in the cloud for you know, streaming 4K and streaming 8K, both locally and, and from uh, another service. But for right now, uh, there isn't one uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, and so that'll mean, that'll mean that, that you know, technology professionals like yourselves will have to come up with a solution, whether that's home-baked or that's you know, partnering with other people. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's end it there. That's all the time we have today. Todd, thanks so much for joining us today. If people want to connect with you, learn more about the Source Home Theater, where can they do that? They can find me on, uh, actually, get in touch with me through my website at www.sourcehometheater.com and email me at any time if you have any questions. Do you mean that brand new website that you just released? And the brand new website that wasn't ready to be deployed. Yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop sending marketing updates saying that it's ready. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> Again, thanks so much for joining us. Tim, if people want to connect with you, uh, learn more about Aviation, where can they do that? Uh, you can follow me on the Twitters at TD Tim David Albright. 
Excellent. Thanks again for being here. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Also, when you're there, you can check out all the recent ISE coverage uh, from about two weeks ago. That is all going up right now. So if you missed something cool, check it out. It will be there. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 